Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, friends. I am excited to bring this episode of the podcast to you. I had the privilege of interviewing a friend, Rashid Hughes, a comrade and co-collaborator. And I'll tell you a little bit about Rashid. Rashid Hughes seeks to bridge the worlds of contemplative practice and collective care. He is a proud graduate of the Howard University Department of Music and the Howard University School of Divinity. Rashid is a certified mindfulness teacher, a certified yoga instructor, a restorative justice facilitator, and currently in training to become a fire pujari. All of Rashid's perspectives flow from the two wisdom traditions of contemplative and restorative practices. In 2019, Rashid co-founded the Heart Refuge Mindfulness Community, a community in Washington, D.C., that inspires Black, Indigenous, and people of color to live with love and courage in the face of systemic inequities and ongoing racial violence. Out of his unwavering love for community, care, and healing, Rashid facilitates weekly mindfulness sessions to support BIPOC folks in living with joy while also understanding and resolving the impact of trauma on their bodies and lives. In 2020, during the heart of COVID-19, Rashid created contemplative practice, REST, R-E-S-T, a practice for the tired and weary, to provide practical means for people to find clarity and confidence in the midst of such devastating and uncertain times. In 2021, Rashid expanded the REST practice into a five-week online course and practice group. In collaboration with the Garrison Institute's Fellowship Forum, Rashid joined Dr. Angel Acosta in conversation around the intersections of the REST practice, liberation, and contemplative practice with a particular focus on how this practice is an antidote to the systems of capitalism and white supremacy. Rashid's writings have been published by Mindful Magazine, Lion's Roar Magazine, and his first peer-reviewed essay on rest was featured in the Journal for Contemplative Inquiries Volume, Transcendent Wisdom, and Transformative Action, Reflections from Black Contemplatives, a special edition focusing on the insights and wisdom of Black contemplative practitioners, researchers, scholars, educators, and artists. Today, Rashid is devoting his time to a new interest, exploring the role of ceremony and contemplative practice in creating the conditions for a more just and caring world. One more note about Rashid. Rashid and I are leading a retreat in February of 2024. It is called Rest and Refuge based on the rest framework just described and my work around finding refuge, heartwork for healing collective grief. We are offering this retreat at Eloe Retreat Center in Northern Georgia, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more about that on my website, michellecjohnson.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Rashid. It is lovely to see you. I'm really glad you're here and i'm glad that you said yes to being a guest on the podcast thanks for so inviting thank me yeah i'm so glad mm-hmm. it worked out and i feel like we met on social media first and we have some people in common in particular yeah. caverly um morgan and i know finding refuge the book um mm-hmm. is part of a part of how we connected for sure mm-hmm. 
And then for listeners to know, we ended up planning a retreat at LOE Retreat Center that took place last February, and we actually mm-hmm. are going to do it again this February. Yeah. And that's the first time we got to meet in person, person. which was beautiful and amazing. And mm-hmm. we spent days together um, yeah. to facilitating uh, rest and refuge retreat. So mm-hmm. that's how we how we met in person, although I feel like we met, you know, we have likely met many, many lifetimes prior to this one. So yeah, yeah, it's delightful to be in community with you. Yeah, same here. Same here, sure. And I'd love for you to share some. um, I know we talked about this question before I pressed record. (laughs) Love for you to share some about um, how you are and right now in this moment and Anything you want to share about who you are, your practice, your process, so listeners know a little bit more about who Rashid is at this moment in time? Yeah, well, you know, like one of the most, I guess, the newest things in my life is is my daughter, Ocean, um, who was born, I think, seven weeks ago at this time. So that's just a lot of, like, fresh energy in my life and um a lot of joy and and excitement surrounding her presence finally being with my wife and I um kind of like physically in this realm now uh so just spending a a a lot of time these days uh holding her you know uh listening to her <laughs> you know um and kind of like dreaming like dreaming and dreaming about the the type of world that I hope that I can uh, support and bring into, into life, that she might be able to exist in a, a place where um, she can, she doesn't have to just worry about surviving, but she can actually like live and enjoy life. Um, so, so a lot of my, you know, just reflection time is, is just has been really centering around, you know, what role do I have in creating the world that I would love my daughter to to grow up in, you know. So that's that's a lot of the what's fresh fresh with me. And you know, these days, you know, I, I was sharing with you earlier the question of like, who am I, and like. You know, I, I always struggle with it because I, I feel like it's always shifting. But I guess if I was to just speak from my heart, I would just say, you know, I'm someone who really cares about freedom and liberation for for all beings. Um, I'm I'm someone who deeply values um, contemplative spirituality. Um, practices and in ways of producing wisdom and knowledge um, that are not limited to our um, to the intellect or to to reason necessarily. Like, what do our bodies have to to offer to us during these times? Like, what does ceremony have to offer to us? You know, what is the natural world? asking of us and requiring of us during these times and and also just you know at at my core I just I you know I'm a a lover of like like meditation right like what are what are some of the the tools that can support us in touching a a part of us who that's connected to the larger uh, world, right? Like, what are those tools that help us to to recognize our shared belonging, our shared being? And for me, meditation is just just one of those ways that I'm able to, you know, pierce through the veil of separation and 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 isolation and individualism in order that I might find myself existing in a larger ecosystem. Thank you for the teachings um, through your answer about what's fresh for you and also what you value around liberation, Mm -hmm. um, collective liberation and freedom and practice. 
mm-hmm. um, and um, wanting to cultivate a, a world in which there is this experience of an expression of shared belonging. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious about when you were sharing about your daughter and dreaming of a world where she can be and live and enjoy life. Um, I am curious what it's like to bring a life into the world right now. And I'm asking this because of so much trauma and like the horrors of the world and the the tumult in the world. Mm. That's where the mm. question is really. And that's not, I don't mean to say those are the only things I pay attention to. That's not where my question is really originating from. I've often wondered at different points in history what it must have been like for someone to bring a little being into the world and this realm. That's that's where my question's coming from, to be clear with you. So I'm just because I know you you're thinking about this realm and what's yeah. happening, right? Yeah. And what's it like to have brought ocean earthside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm gonna answer that from like two perspectives, right? Just like on a very basic and relative and relative level, um, you know, like my in my heart, there's a lot of concern, right? It's a it's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of confusion and ignorance manifesting in different ways in the world right now, right? That's that, that's really clear, right? You know, and, you know, it's, as as things unfold in the world, it's, it becomes clearer, you know, as Ocean spends more time with us here that, wow, she's gonna, she's gonna have to like exist and learn how to coexist and, and live in this reality, right? And it can, you know, I, I think like where, what it allows me to do is it requires a, a, a greater capacity to like really listen and pay attention to like all the things, right? Like for me, like not just like as Rashid, but just like Rashid as a parent, where it is my responsibility to understand what's happening in the world, to understand the different systems that are in place in the world and the different, um, and the places in which those, like those internal places in which those systems externally are birthed from, right? And to do my best in um, creating a, a, a space for my daughter to, to, to have clarity, right? And that's the gift of like our practices, right? They allow us to have clarity, not fear, right? Fear will probably move through, of course, just naturally. But like my hope is that as I touch into like my own concern and fear, I'm able to allow my practices to support me in allowing that fear, that energy, that intensity, that heat to give birth to clarity. And I'm able to, I'll be able to offer that to my daughter, right? So that's kind of like on a a basic level, just an honest level. Um, And at the same time, like my wife and I, we named her Ocean, but spelled Oshun, like the, you know, the Yoruba goddess Oshun. So to a certain degree, it's, I feel like my wife and I feel like Ocean is actually coming with something, right? Like she's coming with an awareness, with an understanding, with a gift to the world. And it's it's my firm belief that that gift that she's coming with is also gonna be coupled with the conditions needed for her to really come forth into that full expression of who, who she is or who she becomes or who she should be in this world. So that, that, that creates a little bit of balance for me, right? So it's like, I have the concern. It's like, what do I do with all of this, this chaos in the world? What do I do with like, you know, um, everything that's happening as a, as a parent and also how can I also see and understand that Ocean, Oshun is, is, um, is here with purpose, not by accident, right? It's, it's like coming with a, 
a sense that this is her time and she's supposed to be here and exist in this realm during this time. So that brings a little a little ease for maybe five seconds. And then I go back to the concern. <laughs> but this that's the practice, right? Like we 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 our attention shifts and we find ourselves stuck a little bit. And then we have the the resources to like, okay, let go and to to touch back into what's what we know to really be true. I love that your answer from from different perspectives or just spaces of wisdom. Mm. And it's making me think about um, often I say, like, I have a with my birth story, I say I came in on purpose, like, Mm. because there was a moment where the doctors did not think I was going to come in, right, and actually had to pull me out because I was losing Mm. oxygen. and had to do it fast, right? And mm-hmm. um, and I, I just often think if there was some moment when I was like, does my body insult, do, do I really wanna come through now, right? Given mm-hmm. what is going to unfold, um, mm-hmm. not that I was consciously aware of that, but I do think there was a choice point um, for, for me. And I think this is true of others. And I, you sharing about um, ocean and that ocean is here on purpose is making me think about in many lineages ceremony and practices that are meant to allow um, the baby that is going to be birthed to Mm -hmm. the baby's soul to say this these are the gifts i want to bring in before they actually come earthside Mm -hmm. um and i i love the clarity around oceans her own person Mm -hmm. right and soul and spirit mm-hmm. um, and body um, and mind and heart, um, mm-hmm. of course, made by you all and um, is is coming in with gifts that um, perhaps can can um, respond to or tend um, the chaos and mm-hmm. the um, tumult and confusion of this time. So I think that's just so wise um, to speak to and to understand. Um, And I hear the, and that helps for like a a little while, (laughs) but the call back into practice of like where our attention is placed. And it brings me to my next question about, um, I mean, we've spent a little time together and Mm -hmm. I know you are deeply committed to practice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm curious. I know a little bit about your journey. You shared a little with me about it. I'm curious if you would share some about your path to practice. Mm. Um, however you you think of practice. I mean, I have an idea of that, but however you think about that, like what is, what has been your path because you you are deeply committed to practice? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would, you know, I always try to touch on the fact that Today, I kind of like look at my my approach to spiritual practice as like this intersectional approach that where I integrate like a variety of paths and practices that have naturally showed up in my life for me right along the way. So I always start just like in my experience growing up in the black church right and and through that experience you know fast forwarding a few years into my 20s in my college years feeling called to ministry to become a, a baptist preacher so i went to divinity school and i became a preacher pretty young age and to make a long story short you know there was a point along on my path as a a christian uh minister where I came face to face with the fact that there was a huge void on the inside that I had to grapple with, right? I had to come to terms with that my spirituality and my religious training at that point could not support me with, right? And that eventually led me to being a part of a cult for like five years. Like when I say a cult, I mean like in a home with like a leader with like small group of people. So like the whole, whole ordeal thing, Um, learning a tremendous, a lot 
from from being in that cult experience, like most cults, like there are a lot of beautiful things that happen, and a lot of terrible things that happen. But one thing that I did get from that that cult experience was that um, meditation was was really important. And it was through that that I began to develop an interest in like what are what are spiritual practices that help me to become uh, more sensitive to and become more in touch with like the indwelling spirit that for most of my religious upbringing, I assume was in the sky and outside of myself, right? So that introduced me to like Buddhist practice. And then eventually I found yoga, you know, more yoga practices and uh, tantric practices, um, which led me to like ceremonies and things like that. And, you know, so today I would just say that like my practice is an integration of of all of that, like Christian contemplative practice, you know, like um, singing and dancing and um, like shouting from my Black church experience, right? But also like the stillness that Buddhist practice invited me into, you know, more of the awareness-based uh, practices. and But also like the generative practices that allow qualities of the heart to come to come forth, right? And for me, that was huge because I don't know if I'm still answering your question, so stop me if I'm not. But these generative practices that allow that bring the heart into like my human experience, right? Like so, for me, for most of my religious upbringing, until I found contemplative practices, my approach to remaining holy and right with God was by suppressing and and blocking off my heart, right? And my body, because it was it was too sensual, right? It was it was too fleshly, right? And I, that needed to be suppressed in order that I might, you know, rise to spirit. Right. So for me, like at this point in my practice, you know, all of the different ceremonies where whether it's with fire or with chanting or with moving my body or just uh, more meditation practices. Like one of the key things is that I'm always providing myself with the space to allow my heart to be open, to be broken, allow myself to listen to my heart and allow myself to listen to unseen elements of my experience, right? Whether it's ancestors or guides or spiritual ancestors or things like that. So that's why I, I am today. It's like, I'm just really trying to, to think through, like, how might I offer my unique experience and path to, to the world today, to people who aren't, aren't necessarily rooted in a particular religious tradition, right? But they, they want to be free. They want to be happy. They, they want to create a world where, where love and compassion and clarity and accountability are our our practice and live and that and that is a form of spirituality right so this is what i this is what i try to offer yes yes um you answered my question and also (laughs) the question i mean there are many answers to the question right and so yes um and i really appreciated hearing more about your path and practice and also how you're bringing this into the world um, mm-hmm. through practice, your path and and work in community and through ceremony. And I'm thinking back to the retreat we led last February where we brought in elemental energy and mm-hmm. you led a fire ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about fire and I think you talked about fire as clarifying. Mm-hmm. And you also earlier in our interview talked about practice and and the value of practice and one of the things that can come from it is is clarity and so i'm curious to know just based on what you said about your path and where you are now and what you're offering what your practice is clarifying for you right now like what is it revealing is another Mm -hmm. way to think about my my question well one thing i i was thinking about before our call was about authenticity Right. And and when I say authenticity, I was really just starting like with myself, like I was just kind of like setting my intention about how I want to. Like be in this call. 
because I, I've I've done in interviews before, podcasts and talks before, and I know I, I, within myself there can be this pressure to like show up polished, right? And I think for for myself at this time, and a lot of what the the our world is is lacking is, I would just say people who are willing to not have to show up with mask on, having it all together, polished and perfect, right? And people, including myself, I think, are are yearning for permission to grieve what's happening in the world, right? People are yearning for space, community, ceremony that allowed them to not have to hold back and to know that letting go is not a sign of imperfection or weakness or a sign of, it's not a, they're not, it's not something wrong with them, right? So that's one thing that I feel like my practice is allowing me to do is to really come more down to earth, right? Right, and to really reclaim the human elements of myself that are often not listened to, pushed away, or labeled to be off, I just say off and welcome them back into my field of compassion and awareness, right? And I think what that does is it creates a, a type of, if if people are, are developing the capacity to do that, then that means that there's going to be a, 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 like this ripple effect of expanding our capacity to hold what's here with awareness, with compassion, not bypassing it. And the more we can do that, the more we can all be accountable to one another. Right. So that was a long way of me trying to, to <laughs> answer your question. Um, but yeah, like my practice is like really bringing me closer to what's here. Right. And I, you know, I just, you know, like one thing that I yearn these days is to be around people who are, are who are not afraid to be honest about what it feels like to be human in this time in their particular um identity locations and expressions in the way in just the way that they show up in the world i um i mean it's will be obvious to you that when you shared about both people needing spaces to show up where they don't have to wear masks or be perfect or be polished resonated as well as like people needing to have the space to grieve in response mm. to to what's unfolding and also the i think the ways in which we're not being human with one another um mm -hmm. because i don't believe the violence that's happening is inherent to to how to us, right? As a as a people, I don't think that's that's who we are. And so much of the practices that we work with and engage are about clarifying who the truth of who we are and how we want to be, um, and growing into that and evolving. And I'm also really sitting with what you said about practices around. Um, reclaiming the parts of yourself, mm. right? Your humanness mm -hmm. as well. Um, and the power in that, um, mm -hmm. which means the shadowy parts or the parts we don't really, we say we don't like, right. Or we're afraid mm -hmm. to, to turn toward as well as the parts that we fully embrace. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm appreciating, appreciating that. Um, and that also feels linked to shared belonging as well. When we connect around our hearts opening and breaking and this reclamation process of our humanness mm -hmm. um, 
and the the ceremonies and rituals centered around grief and celebration that I know are important important to you. Um, so thanks for sharing all of that about yeah what your practice it's, is clarifying. Yeah, I mean, and I think another thing is that you know what I feel like just non dual practices and like like you know like classical tantra spirituality offers us is that you know, the reality of who we are and the reality of the world are one, right? Like the energy that's moving through the world is not existing in some separate um, uh, field that is not, you know, connected to our reality. And I think, you know, one thing that our practices and ceremonies allow us to do is to see that shared reality, right? And like I said, to have the the clarity and understanding to allow us to really um, take ownership of it, like, and even like the chaos, right? To take on, like, at some point, like, we have to own the chaos in order for it to come back into balance, right? And you know, I think it's like you would you would get this. That's why we have like um like the the different wisdom goddesses. So we have Kali, we have Durga, we have all of those expressions that that are reflecting back to us, like, hey, this is who you are, and this is you have this in, innate capacity to exist in a way that is is aligned with reality and truth, right? Um so I, I guess I'm bringing that up because I think it's important in this time we we need those representations, whether it's through like us, like me and you, right, <laughs> to a certain degree, um, or like touching into like the wisdom traditions that actually do have tools to actually support us in transforming those actions that actually are birthed from ignorance and to shift our consciousness into alignment with those qualities of the heart and spirit that that really bring forth the remembrance that we do share everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really struck when you said the word chaos. It's come up more than once in this and and also the what is what is being reflected back to us that seems like it's outside of us is not true. I mean, you just like mm -hmm. we are creating this reality right now. Exactly. Is what you just said, right? And there's something about me when you said chaos that I was like we actually have to consume it. Mm -hmm. which I know there are deities who've consumed the chaos, right? <laughs> or the trauma or the whatever the, is happening. Um, and I also thought about the Bhagavad Gita and the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's so much we could say about that, but the battlefield and how I always talk about it as like, we are all, this is the battlefield, this context. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. a teaching, the Bhagavad Gita, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever was being reflected there was happening internally for Arjuna. Um, which is why Krishna guided Arjuna in the way he did, um, that it's a reflection of what's happening internally, right? The internal battlefield or war or the contemplation around what is your role in response to these different things you're feeling inside that feel like they're opposing forces. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I rem I'm thinking back to we were co-leading our retreat and you you said, I wonder if this realm is just this way. Like you said, I don't, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was I thought about that last week. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, you I just looked at that. me and I was like, huh, maybe, maybe it is. You're like, maybe other realms aren't like this. Yeah. And I loved that. It made me be like, maybe not. And so we just have to reckon with this realm, right? In this way, because this is where we are, even though we're spiritual beings to your mm -hmm. point. And to our, to our teachings and what we talk about. What did you think about when that came through? Because it sounds yeah, like, like it crossed your mind. You know, like, I, I mean, that's that's a question that I think about, like, ongoingly. Like, it's just a contemplation, like a, a part of my contemplative practice where I'm always, you know, like, coming to grips with and, like, sitting with and, like, 
doubting and like all of those things of like, like maybe this realm is a realm that, and people, all right, I'm just going to say it. This say it. This may be a realm that cannot be completely free of the chaos. Right. But that does not mean that we don't have a responsibility to see and pierce through the veil of ignorance that has us to believe that the chaos is the true expression of who we are, right? So it's like this dual, this tug of war. It's like, like some days it's like, yo, like this is the way it is. And then we have, we have, but we have to have like that, that pull of that quality of being able to remember that we still are accountable in so, in to so many beings, seen and unseen. Um, we're accountable to making sure that the chaos is consumed at the same time. I mean, I, and I mean, I feel like that's as clear as I am right now. And but I think for me, it's less about like figuring out the answer and more so about really taking time to steep in the the contemplation of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about this consumption of chaos and and the point of that being to turn toward it, to look at it, to understand how we're connected to it or created it, right? Mm -hmm. We have created this mm -hmm. um, in, in many different ways to then work with it, right? Consume it, digest it, metabolize it, um, transmute it is really the point. Um, get back to the truth of who we are, but not bypass it. Is and that's also what I hear you you saying and sharing about responsibility and accountability. Even yeah. if this is a realm just filled with yeah. with chaos, but it didn't like fall out of the sky, right? Like people, humans created a lot of the systems that are um, creating this chaos for us. Um, and that we're responding to and and you know we're navigating this system so we're not absolved of responsibility to respond to what's in the way of us um really getting to the truth of of who we who we are um and our humanness and our shared belonging yeah i mean and i you know i also like really like i have a strong conviction that you know our practices allow us to feel that to feel and know that we are more than the chaos right so it's not like we're we're like stuck in this whirlwind of chaos you know what practice like we might start off feeling that way like many of us are brought to our path because we feel like we are like rather than we have the capacity to consume it and to really bring it in um to our view like it's consuming us <laughs> Right. In a sense, right? But what you know, what our practices and ceremonies allow us to do is to like feel that like, hmm, there's something here that's actually not of this world. It, and yet it's it's available and it's also important for us to to be in relationship with it, right? It's it's timeless, right? It's beyond time and space um and it's you know in a sense it's who it's who we are what i'm trying to say is being able to feel that right that we are not these limitations we are not these ideas of separation we're not just the, these physical bodies right being able to feel and to know that provides us with a deeper place from which we we live from, even though there's a there's a there's a lot of disorder happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you, I was just right before I logged on for our interview, I was outside with the honeybees and mm -hmm. this conversation where I was just watching them. It's pretty warm today. And so they're active mm -hmm. and busy and bringing in pollen. Mm -hmm. um, and I was looking at them and 
um, sometimes I have this thought where I'm like, I wonder if they know what's going on. And then I'm like, they absolutely know what's happening. Mm -hmm. They're sentient beings who mm -hmm. are feeling into and work everything that's happening and work between realms. They know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then in thinking about this consumption of chaos, I'm thinking about how they collect pollen, right? Mm -hmm. How they collect nectar, how they collect water mm -hmm. from this realm where there's so much chaos. And then they take it into their hive and they alchemize it mm -hmm. yeah. and turn it into honey or feed their future generations right um mm -hmm. or store it for for because they're preparing for winter and want to survive winter and there's just something really powerful about that of course they know and and they're collecting these resources that are are part of the chaos right that's happening and they're they're alchemizing it to transmute it into something else um, or to use it for mm. energy for the hive to sustain the hive. So there's a teaching in that. There's a lesson oh, in yeah. that about what we can do, right? And what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's really powerful to think about all of the teachers we have in the natural world um, who remind us of spirit and who we truly are and and what we can do, right? Um, mm. Around this reclamation of our humanity, around ceremony, around remembering. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. and leading into shared belonging so i'm calling them into the yeah. into the space <laughs> i think i have two more questions and one is i um want to know about you created a framework um mm -hmm. rest is the the acronym for the framework and body of work and mm -hmm. i would love for you to share a little bit i know you've done a lot with that and brought that into many of your teachings and mm -hmm. would love for you to share a little about it yeah well yeah so the the framework is is rest a practice for the tired and weary right and the rest is an acronym so r stands for relax the attention release e stands for exhale all striving empty s stands for sense the silence surrender and t stands for tune into awareness and trust and you know this framework you know, it just came from my personal practice over over the years of right, over the years of being exhausted, being exhausted from trying to better myself with spiritual practices, right? And when I and I, it's a it's a difference between trying to better and fix yourself with spiritual practices, and actually allowing um, spiritual practices to to transform our hearts, right? and to transform our views of ourselves and our worlds, right? But for me, I was on the spectrum to the 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 furthest end where I was trying to use meditation to, I would say, get access to a part of who I was without looking at the way I was in that moment, if that makes sense. So I, I was I was really caught up on like, okay, I need to awaken now. I need to to really be truly dedicated and be, you know, really on top of my spiritual game. And you know, I I I, I was very harsh on myself. And that's the reason that I call the the framework a practice for the tired and weary. Yeah, so my my intention behind creating um my you know my rest framework was to provide you know easy entry points and access points for people who who felt exhausted based off of like the social realities that we live in but also exhausted from um not having accessible approaches for being well and finding liberation in the midst of the social chaos. I don't why well, I keep using chaos today. You know. Well, <laughs> the world's chaotic, Christine. <laughs> yeah, so the, the framework is is structured where you have these short instructions, these short pointing out instructions where it's it's say it's like, "Hey, see what happens when you simply relax your attention," right? Set aside set aside an outcome, set aside accomplishing anything but just a moment of relaxing your attention right and then what each pillar basically does is over time as we spend time working with it 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 trains us to be able to sense in our bodies when we are stuck in the momentum of becoming 
in achieving. And it, it provides us with, you know, simple tools to help us to relax back, in, back into our natural state, our awakened state. And, you know, for me, like being on meditation retreats over the years and, and just being in a lot of like meditation communities and dharmic communities, you know, I, I noticed that there was like this tendency to have like this, to need to have like this spiritual, like strength to be able to like meditate for hours and to, you know, and to like sit for hours and to like just be really strong. And like, that didn't work for me because I, I came to the practice tired, right? So I had to find another entry point into meditation that felt right for me and my embodiment, right? And then what I began to notice is that a lot of my other friends, particularly like black and indigenous people of color, like they had some resonance with that. Like, yeah, like, you know, we're already exhausted from from society and 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 having to just survive in this world that um that hates us in a sense. That wasn't this society that wasn't created for us to thrive. So if there are any approaches to meditation that allow us to to release and to relax um and to to be clear without having to to do all of the without the strenuous uh task of focusing for hours and doing all of those other things then people were all for it so that's where the framework came from i well thank you for laboring and creating the framework and offering it and what you shared about the exhaustion people are showing up with and also how identity intersects with that Mm -hmm. Mm um and creating something that is a response to that exhaustion mm-hmm. uh, because I definitely think there is a there can be a striving that happens with practice mm-hmm. um, instead of a, like starting where you are <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah so I think that's beautiful to and it's a disruption to dominant mm-hmm. cultural norms around striving around perfectionism around it looks this way mm-hmm. and it's meeting people where they are um, mm-hmm which feels powerful and and what practice actually is. Mm-hmm. It's meeting ourselves and meeting people where they are. And I have one more question, um, which uh, is about, it sounds like you have some things coming up in the new year and I'd love for you to share yeah. some about yeah. the things you're birthing. Yeah, so like basically, you know, I've been really thinking about like what like what do we need collectively right now right and and like what what are some what are some urgent or new resources that might be supportive to to us in um navigating our lives navigating the world um and one thing that has been coming up with me in my practice is like and you're the first person I'm sharing this with so <laughs> what like what what would a modern wisdom deity or modern wisdom goddess look like right like what 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 would be and what would they offer to to our world right now like what what gifts would they bring and how might they if we learn to be in relationship with them how might how might they help usher us into a new way of existing and being right and like what 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 might her mantra be all right. What might her mantra be? And also, like, if there was a yantra, like, what might the yantra possess, right? And and how might how might those three together, like, like a wisdom being, right, that truly understands, like, now, right? Not a wisdom being that was came through like wisdom traditions thousands of years ago, but like a wisdom being that was like created for this time. And like I said, what might her mantra be? And like, what might that mantra, like what kind of vibration would that mantra radiate throughout um, the universe and the cosmos? And then with the yantra, like how might a yantra or just a geometric configuration of that goddess's energy, like how might 
having a, a physical representation to contemplate support us in having an easy access point into her reality or their reality in this time. I, I really, I'm really curious about how how might a new goddess or a new deity be supportive to us right now? Well, I love it. <laughs> keep keep me posted. Um, feels medicinal and timely. And I hope to have offerings around it, right? Yeah, Maybe. and like an invitation for people yeah. to contemplate that and create. Yeah. from that space which also is coming from them so i see that mm -hmm. link and it's bringing me back it feels full circle when we were talking about ocean and the gifts she's bringing mm -hmm. i can't help but go back to that and mm -hmm. how it's i don't i don't know if it feels connected to the offering but it feels connected to me in this mm -hmm. um circle of life way mm -hmm. um or the spiral the the sacred spiral of mm -hmm. life and so i'm looking forward to the offerings you create around yeah. around that um and the ceremony and circles mm -hmm. um, you hold for that mm -hmm. and it's been such an honor to be with you in this way and to be in conversation and um, i'm so glad that we met um and i'm excited about our retreat and thanks for spending time with me today absolutely thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, yoga, and social justice. I offer monthly movement, practices, as well as monthly divination readings. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book that came out in August of 2023. The book is titled A Space for Us, A Guide for Leading Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Affinity Groups published by Beacon Press. This book is a love song and a gift to Black, Indigenous, and people of color, as well as people of the global majority. I encourage you to purchase it if you are interested in facilitating affinity groups for BIPOC and people of the global majority. And if you're interested in learning more about anti-racism work. In addition, many of you know, We Healed Together came out in April of 2023. And thank you for your support of We Healed Together. And I hope you continue to support it and work with it and move through the rituals and practices to build community and connection. Thank you so much and take care.